Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor story jumpers welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast are you ready to hear a great story of course that's why you're a story jumper a school project goes terribly wrong in easy target a middle grade thriller about ex-homeschooler and christian teen hudson sutton and his experiences in his new school When Hudson makes two friends and attempts to take on an established hierarchy of bullying, he doesn't realize he's taking a risk he never expected, becoming a bully himself. Easy Target is a realistic look at the extent and reality of bullying, especially through social media, with a Christian main character who learns that relationships, bullying, and doing the right thing are a bit more complicated than he realized. Parents, While not included in this clip, the book does touch on the subject of suicide. Enjoy this reading of Easy Target by Tim Shoemaker, author of 16 books. Easy Target by Tim Shoemaker. Copyright 2021. A focus on the family book published by Tyndale House Publishers. Chapter 1. Hudson didn't actually hear anyone in his bedroom, but he woke sensing someone was there. He held his breath and listened. Crickets, cicadas, the usual night sounds drifted through his open window, but something felt off. Dim light filtered in from the hall, enough to know the door was definitely open wider than when he'd gone to bed. Terrific. He wasn't imagining this. How often had he dreamt of being a hero, imagining how great it would be to fight off some sicko who'd busted into the house. But now he didn't feel so courageous. Barely opening his eyes, he scanned the shadows of the room without lifting his head. I don't want to be a hero. I don't want to be a hero. He struggled to keep his breathing steady. Lizzie. He had to make sure his little sister was okay. Mom, too. With Dad working late at the second job, Hudson had to step up. Had to. God help me. He slid one arm off the side of his bed and reached for the Louisville slugger on the floor. He'd grab it and bolt, and if anybody got in his way, he'd swing for the fence. He felt the cool maple handle, slid his fingers around it. A faint rustling noise. Hudson tightened his grip, and someone stepped on the bat, pinning his hand to the floor. Jerking free, Hudson kicked off the covers. Ah! A hand clamped over his mouth. Easy. It's dead. I don't want you waking, everyone. Hudson twisted away and stood, his whole body shaking. You're trying to scare me to death? His dad raised both hands and motioned for him to stay quiet. So you're awake? I was going for the bat. What if I'd hit you? Dad laughed in a whispery sort of way. But you didn't. Come with me. What? He tapped a finger to his lips, motioned for Hudson to follow, and headed for the door. Even in the faint light, he could see Dad was still wearing his Lowe's work shirt. Hudson trudged after him. 
Dad tiptoed through the kitchen to the basement door. He looked back once, as if to be sure Hudson was following, and then disappeared down the stairway. Hudson stood at the top of the stairs. Why down there? I need to show you something, Dad whispered. He bypassed the light switch and used the flashlight on his phone instead. Okay, this was getting weirder by the second. Hudson took the steps slow, scanning the blackness of the basement as he did. The dank smell seemed especially strong, and the dampness circled and clung to his legs. He paused at the bottom of the stairs. The chill from the concrete floor seemed to go right through him. The flashlight swung around, blinding him for an instant. You coming? What are we doing down here? Without answering, Dad wove his way around stacks of boxes, still waiting to be unpacked from the move. He made his way to the furnace and turned off the flashlight. Dark as a cave and just as creepy. Hudson heard the ratchet of a pull string, and a single bulb flicked on. He squinted and looked around for any clue as to what Dad felt was so important to show him at this hour. Furnace, slop sink, hot water heater, nothing looked different. Dad stepped in front of Hudson and squared his shoulders. Hit me. He looked dead serious. What? Keep your voice down. He patted his gut. Right here. I want to see what you've got. What I've got? Hudson took a step back. Okay, a lot of stuff had changed for the family, especially Dad. But he'd seemed like he was handling it all right. Until now. I'm not going to hit you. Yeah, you are. He motioned Hudson toward him. You've never gone to a public school before. I have to make sure you can defend yourself. So that's what this was all about? Seriously? We've raised you in a bit of a bubble, and eighth grade can be brutal. I haven't slept good in the last two weeks since you started. Hudson snickered. You woke me up because you can't sleep? Come on, wise guy. Let's see what you've got. Hit me. There was no way. I might hurt you. Might? No, he definitely would. Dad laughed quietly. What do you weigh now? 120? 132. Maybe more after the spaghetti dinner. Okay, so I still outweigh you by 60 pounds. Trust me, you're not going to send this guy to the hospital. He tapped his stomach. Come on, right in the bread basket. Take a swing. I don't see the point. Made any friends yet? Hudson shook his head. Not that he hadn't tried. With no friends, some will see you as an easy target. Dad shrugged like the solution was obvious. You've got to know how to take care of yourself, just in case. For some reason, the whole thing struck him as incredibly funny. You always taught me to solve problems without fighting. Does Mom know you're doing this? Dumb question. Why else would Dad be doing this in the middle of the night? Stop stalling. Hit me. Hudson pictured Dad going to school in a day when hallway or cafeteria brawls would break out. He was so out of touch. It's different now. Dad's face got dead serious. Times change. People don't. He hesitated. I bet you already know who the alpha male is at Southfield. He pictured a wolf, Zachary Wolf to be exact, PTO president's son, brainy, charmer, all-around jerk. He'd seen Wolf torment Steve Adishak just because he smiled too much. Adishak hadn't done much smiling since, but Wolf did, along with Mitch Satora, Brett Skirto, also known as Skirt, and others. He'd seen following Wolf like a pack. It made Hudson want to puke. I haven't seen one fight. Nothing physical like that. Just verbal stuff. It may not come to this, Dad said as he made a fist. But there's a social order, and the kids in power expect you to respect it, or they'll make sure you do. 
It's not like that, Hudson said. But if something changes, I'll sign up for your self-defense lessons, okay? That'll be too late. Be nice. Be kind. I'm all about that. But when somebody gets all in your face, you have to deal with it right then. It's a pop quiz. It comes without warning, and the grade will stick. If they push, you need to push back. You never let them get the last word in. That's all I'm saying. Hudson had no intention of becoming a casualty. But Dad had to be wrong about all this. How do you know so much about it? Dad's no, okay? Maybe I've been there. He took a wide stance and bounced a couple of times on the balls of his feet. Let's say one of them shoves you. He pushed Hudson's shoulder with the flat of his hand. What are you going to do? The hot water heater kicked down with a whoosh, casting an orange glow on the pale concrete floor. Dad poked him. Stay focused when somebody faces off with you. Don't let him score a sissy shot on you. This would be a perfect time for Mom to walk down the stairs. Hudson glanced behind Dad. Never take your eyes off him, ever. Hudson left. I was just looking. For help? Forget about it. Don't look for a teacher. Don't look for a friend. This is between you and the bozo in front of you. Right here, right now. You've been shoved. What are you going to do? Hudson shrugged. I don't know, maybe. Listen, Dad said. You can't look like you're lost. Stay confident, even when you're outnumbered. Like you've got a secret weapon they don't know about. Show no fear. They'll think I'm crazy. Good. It'll make them wonder if they really want to take you on. Confident or crazy, either works. This whole thing was crazy. He jabbed Hudson's shoulder harder this time. Now hit me. Hudson took a step back. Maybe Dad hit his head at work. Maybe he was helping some guy load a bunch of two-by-fours and he got clocked. That would explain, don't back up. Dad inched closer. Step into him instead. And the closer you are, the harder it'll be for him to hurt you with a sucker punch. He can't haul off and get a full swing on you. Dad leaned in. Hudson held his ground this time, his chest against Dad's ribcage. Good. Perfect. The instant he moves to swing at you, you'll feel it and you can react. Dad raised his hand to tag him again. Hudson swung his arm around to block him. See, that's what I'm talking about. Nice job. Dad got in his face. But now what? It isn't enough to block, buddy. Hudson didn't budge. You told me not to back up. Okay, I stood here. I blocked your shot. What more do you want? Play offense, son. Defense isn't going to get them to leave you alone. The kitchen floor creaked above them. It had to be mom. Dad held a finger to his lips. Sometimes you have to fight. And when you do, remember what I'm about to tell you because everything will ride on this. Everything. Clammy fingers seemed to crawl up Hudson's spine. There was something about Dad's face, totally intense. And with that same pained look Hudson had seen the day Dad announced, he'd lost the job at Northrop. Hudson rubbed down the goosebumps rising on his arms. Dad held up one hand and looked at the ceiling. The footsteps were moving toward the basement door. Hudson? Mom's voice called from the top of the stairs. Are you down there? Dad looked totally disappointed. We both are. What on earth are you doing down there at this hour? Teaching Hudson some middle school survival skills. Dad gave Hudson a half smile. Right. She laughed. Okay, boys, time for bed. Dad took a deep breath and blew it out quick. Okay, lesson over for tonight. He reached for the pull chain. Five minutes earlier, Hudson would have welcomed the interruption. Now he wasn't so sure. What about that thing I need to remember? You were going to tell me. Tomorrow night, Dad motioned toward the stairs. I promise.
Dad flipped on the flashlight app and pointed at the stairs ahead of Hudson. Middle school can be brutal. I worry about how you'll adjust. You worry too much, Hudson stood. I'm not looking for trouble. You won't have to, Dad whispered. Trouble will find you. Story jumpers, could you imagine getting ready to fight with your dad? I'm so glad Hudson's mom stepped in when she did. But I'm also curious, what was the important thing his dad was about to tell him? Well, I've got somebody who might be able to help with the answers. The author is Tim Shoemaker, and he's here to tell us all about the book. Tim, thanks for joining us. I'm so happy to be here, Andrew. Well, I appreciate you sitting down to talk with the Story Jumpers all about your book. I mean, Easy Target, for for what I've heard so far, is exciting and fun. But I'm I gotta know what is t- what is his dad gonna tell him? I, I'm like, what what could possibly be like more important than having to stand up for yourself? Like, what is he gonna get into? Well, he's going to give him some advice that uh, not everybody's going to agree with. But from his experience, dad's experience, he's going to talk to him about hit first, hit hard, and hit to hurt is is basically the idea is that when you're up against somebody bigger uh, or there's more of them than you, uh, you want to strike some fear in them. And so you've got to hit hard and fast. And it's just one of the, you know, series of tactics that he's going to work with to see how to handle this situation. He's clearly over his head. You know, I can remember my grandfather telling me when I was little that uh, when he was in the Navy, there were some guys picking on some of the other fellas on the ship. And they came around and started picking on him. And he said he just couldn't sit back and let it happen. And he laid into the fella. And that was the end of it. And none of us ever want to get into a fight, you know, if we can help it for sure. But there are some people just itching for a fight out there sometimes, aren't there? Yeah, sometimes uh, there's. it's a matter of standing up for yourself, and you have to do uh, that to a certain extent. And, you know, as a Christian, you'd really have to work through how and where that line is and ask God to help you make that clear. Um, but one of the things that you find is typically uh, that might not be enough to stop somebody. They might stop picking on you but then they'll just divert it to somebody else. So it doesn't always change them, but it just changes their target. Now, that was something that he found in the story, and he wasn't able to live with that either because he didn't want to see them picking on somebody else, so he's going to try something else uh, to try to stop them. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch things un- you know, unravel for Hudson, the problems that he faces, and the way that he figures out how to solve them. But I got to ask you, Rolling Meadows, that's the town where this takes place, where where Hudson and his family moved, right? And uh, he's mm-hmm. new to this school. Is this a real town? This is. It's no, a real town. Kidding. Well, yeah, yeah. why did you choose that town out of all the towns you could have used? Okay. Well, you know, and, and somebody might ask, or I might ask somebody, what, you know, what is really exciting about this town that I'm writing about? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> There's nothing exciting. It's just a regular town. But here's the difference, Andrew. I live here. So huh. I, I know the town. And so if I'm talking about the kids jumping on the bikes and riding someplace, or they go here, or they go here, uh, or there, um, I know the town. So even when they're reading the story, it's going to feel real because I'm not making up a place. Uh, it's a real place. And uh, so I think when there's so many things we're doing, when we're trying to convey a story, uh, 
uh, realistically. Uh, the more we can write from what we know, the more real that story is going to be. So I try to pick a place that I know really, really well. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Now, Hudson was a homeschool kid, right? Mm-hmm, right. And then now he's in a new situation. He's being thrust into the public school system, and he starts to see bullying up close and personal. Mm-hmm. And he chooses to step in and help, which is really, really cool because he makes a new friend in, in a kid that you've called Pancake, which is a cool mm-hmm. nickname <laughs> in itself. <laughs> But this didn't work out for Hudson. You, you know, you, you let me know that Pancake and Hudson, when, when he stands up for Pancake, now he's got some new enemies. So That's right. what, how is that going to work out for Hudson? I mean, Easy Target is an ideal name. He just stepped into a public school and he's got a huge target on his back by the local bullies. That's right. And and that's the way he sees himself. He doesn't want to be this easy target. But yeah, he reluctantly gets involved because he just couldn't allow the situation to go on. It was just a verbal thing, uh, which is the way a lot of kids get it. And it's tough when they're getting verbally, uh, you know, pressured, uh, manipulated and bullied in different ways. And, and yeah, he steps in. And so, um, you know, on the other end, you know, he's totally outnumbered by these other guys. So he he wants to make a difference, but he's got to kind of fly under the radar a little bit, uh, too, because he can't take them all on. And, of course, these other guys, they're not going to back down. Uh, that would be, um, uh, you know, totally working against them with their pride or whatever. And so he's getting himself in a growingly impossible situation. Yeah, it sounds like he's picked a war with the bullies. What is really the biggest danger that he could face, though, right? I mean, is is it the type of thing, you know, that, that he wouldn't expect? Or is this something that he's got his a, a real handle on and he knows what to expect? No, he really doesn't know what to expect. What he's expecting is uh, retaliation, uh, payback, and there is some of that. Um, but that was not his greatest danger. He's, he can kind of handle those things there. Uh, there's limits on how much they can pay back and how much they can retaliate. And, uh, but where the bigger danger is, as, um, the opposition is sort of stepping up their game and things accelerate, the big danger, Andrew, is becoming a bully himself. Hmm. And that's what he didn't see is that the more he tries to stop them in the name of good and the more he wants to protect his new friends, um, and the more he wants to pay them back for the bad things they do, he is actually becoming everything he's fighting against. You know, he is using his power, his advantage to um, make them look bad. So he goes from the physical end, you know, which his dad, you know, had talked to him about. Um, and he said, okay, they're not, they're not picking on me, but they're, they're still making it rough on some of my friends. And so then he wants to go to more of a social pressure approach. And don't we see that today? I mean, we see that everywhere. Where, yeah, absolutely. You know, somebody does something wrong with our, our cancel culture, right? They want to they wanna take people out or shame people or whatever. Well, he, he tries a whole campaign uh, in that. And he ends up, he really starts going too far. Yeah. And he's he's getting some... Hits in there, not physical, but mm-hmm. some good uh, jabs um, with and social maybe pressure. Embarrass them and and socially pressure them. Yes, yes, yeah. right, and bringing shame, and 
and so with doing some of that, he's actually doing to them what they were doing uh, to others. And he's becoming the very thing he was fighting against. Oh, man, that's 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 a road any of us could fall down, isn't it? Like we could it, follow that path easily. Yes, it's it's that fine line of standing up for others or standing up for yourself and taking it too far and becoming the aggressor and becoming uh, a bully. And so, um, you know, as we go through the story, we'll see how he, well, how he navigates it or how he misnavigates it to begin with, right? And right. how he finally figures that out and what he's doing. And then, of course, you know, he's created a problem. He's created real damage. And how's he going to yeah. fix that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's imagine that the story jumpers went to their bookstore and picked up a copy of Easy Target. And there you are at the front doing a book signing. Ah. You're there. You're ready to meet the story jumpers. What do you think would be something you might write to them in the cover of that book and why? I would I would write to them. Well, maybe I'd write something, but I hope they enjoy the series or the story, I should say. But I, I'd want to end that with uh, just a reminder, always see the unseen. And I'd want them to think about that because it's it's the kids that maybe are not their great friends. Um, and it, they could be kids that bully. They could be just sort of the kids on the fringe of their classroom or of the, of the kids that they know at school or in a home group school, uh, you know, group or whatever it would be. And it's these unseen ones that are often going through so much suffering. They're getting it from all sides. They don't have a friend. And that's what we have in this story where, um, you know, Hudson was so afraid of being the easy target to begin with. And so he comes in on the defense and he knows he's got to make friends and all this stuff. But what he learns is, it wasn't him. He wasn't the easy target. It was somebody else. And he contributes to nailing that person, you know? And so um, that's what I would want to encourage the kids. See the unseen. Who's that quiet one? Who's the one that doesn't have friends around them? How can they reach out to them in some way, even though it might not be their first choice for a friend? Uh, it, they would be surprised at how good that that can be. You know, I can imagine as things start to get rolling with Hudson and the bullies and his friends, he's not going to tell everything when he gets home at the end of the day. I have kids, and at the dinner table, I ask them, how was your day at school? And it was, oh, it's okay. And that's all <laughs> I get, you know. And I really want to know. As a dad, I really care about their day. I want to know what struggles they had or what victories they accomplished. But I, I can see Hudson sitting down at the table and not sharing everything. So what about you, Tim? When, when you were growing up, did you tell your parents everything right away? How did that work out for you? Uh, well, I, I did not. Uh, did not always tell them uh, everything right away. Uh, and usually when I did not, it turned out bad. Uh, so, uh, you know, there would be times where I was just plagued by guilt or shame, um, or just the mess got worse. It would have been so much better if I had gotten help from, uh, you know, my parents, if I talked it out. So as I, as I got older, I learned, um, to talk things out with them a lot sooner. And, and, you know, it's the old thing when you mess up, fess up mm -hmm. and, you know, you just, 
you just tell them and you get through that hard moment. But you know what? After a little bit, uh, you feel a lot better that you did. And here's the other thing is a lot of times you get some great input or advice uh, how to handle a situation that really you're struggling with uh, or you're about to walk into a trap and they let you know, you know what, if you do that, here's what here's what's probably going to happen. Here's what happened to me when I was your age, you know, that type of thing. So um, I found talking to my parents uh, was a good thing. And, and there were times, Andrew, I had to admit doing things that I never wanted to admit. And, uh, but you know, there was something else that happened too, which is, I guess, a side note. I remember one time in particular, um, I'm sitting down at the kitchen table and I got to talk to my parents. You know, I got to tell them I, I messed up. I did something here that wasn't good. And, uh, and they took it really, really well. Hmm. You know, I remember, I remember thinking, I wish my dad would just hit me or something because right. it would, you know, I'd feel better. Get what I know? deserve kind of thing, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But instead, I just saw how much I disappointed him. He mm. was disappointed in my behavior, right? And that was the worst. I would have rather gotten hit, you know, or something. <laughs> it was like, it, but uh, uh, something happened. It was like, I never want to disappoint my dad like that again. And so yeah. it actually, by telling my parents things that I was involved in or what I was doing or what was going on or, or uh, whatever. Um, it was helping me become a better person. And I will tell you, it protected me from some serious traps where they said, you know where this is, here's where this is going. And in my heart, I knew they were right, but it helped give me the courage to do the right thing, to stand up, uh, to back away from uh, some friends or, or whatever and say, you know what? I, I'm just not going to get involved in that. It saved my hide. Not so bad. Bad. I was grateful. Yeah. Yeah. So w was there anything that really changed your world when you were younger? Were there any moments that, that stand out for you where you kind of reserved a special place in your heart, you know, to have a love for kids? I mean, you, you write for kids. So what stood out for you? What made you want to focus in that area? Okay. Probably the strangest thing on that. When I was nine years old, and I had two older sisters, okay, so I'm I'm the youngest in the family for nine years, and then uh, my my younger brother was born, and then three years later another brother was born. So I had two younger brothers, one nine years younger, one twelve years younger. Oh, this wow. changed my world, yeah, because before I was the youngest, and I had two older sisters, and 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 that was you know fine, we did great, but as they were getting a little bigger. I was babysitting a lot, you know, when my folks were out or whatever. We had so much fun. I mean, there were <laughs> there was just it was just a riot. And we would have, you know, all these wars and fake fighting and all that kind of stuff. And uh there were uh, there were stitches uh at times <laughs> and uh and the only broken bones, strangely enough, were mine. Um <laughs> Yeah. I mean uh, messing around with these guys twice, I broke a toe. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Chasing <laughs> we, we them always say like, if you're ready to play rough, you have to yell uh, like rough play or something. I forget what we mm -hmm. said, you know, and because uh, Dad didn't want any broken bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so, but it was it was great. I loved it, and and so that's where I think my love of kids started uh, cool. because. It was so much fun uh, doing things with them. And then, of course, uh, when I got older and, and, and had my own kids, uh, you know, it was 
I was ready uh, for it by that time. But yeah, my younger brothers are the ones that really gave me that love for kids. Yeah. Now, have you always been a writer when you were when you were younger, when you were a kid, or or did you start writing later in life? What you know? Yeah, it was later. It was later. I already I had kids. Um, and it was, I just love telling them stories, Andrew. Mm. So like if I, if, if, if I'm sitting around uh, the table with some of the story jumpers here, uh, we might start talking about something and I'm going to start telling them a story about whatever. And I would love the way, you know, their eyes would get bigger, you know, is there, is there getting wrapped up in this story? And it was just a lot of fun. And I would keep hearing, uh, dad, you got to write these stories down. And, and honestly, Andrew, I had no interest in that. I just was telling stories, making things up. And uh, one time I tried, and I found out I loved it. I had no idea. And uh, and so then I kept working on it, and then it took a long time to um, uh, actually get good enough. But uh, and, and I'd certainly encourage anybody, you, you just never know. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, if somebody encourages you, somebody that you love, somebody that you care about, and they say, hey, you know, have you ever thought of trying this? You know, you might want to try it because they could be right. Uh, and for me, <laughs> they see something in you you don't see. That's all. Exactly. The case. So as a kid, you know, I can remember uh, running around with my buddies and getting into trouble sometimes. And boy, we, we had some good adventures. You know, we we mm. we used to grab turtles out of the local golf pond and uh, bring them home with us. And we keep <laughs> these turtles in a in a little pool, you know, and. The funny thing is, though, the next morning we'd get up to go check out our turtles and they will have already crawled out of the pool and headed back across the road to the pond. So we'd go nab them again. You know, we we did all these <laughs> crazy things. When when you were a kid, did you did you and your friends get up to any nonsense? Did you do anything that you can share? Uh, you know what? We did a lot of crazy things, I guess. And and there were some that we as I guess when I was. You know, in, in, in junior high and maybe high school, we were, we were pulling more pranks and doing some of that stuff, which is not all uh, a great, great idea. Um, and there were times, I remember one particular time I got chased by an angry man. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you what, that scared us straight, uh, for a while. We didn't pull any more pranks like that, but we had pulled a prank and, uh, um, and this was a guy that didn't like it. He was a total stranger to us. And the two of us ran. We ran like a long way and really fast and were scared to death. Um, but you know what? Um, the only good thing, the only good thing about that is later being a writer, I still remember what it felt like to be chased by somebody that looked really mad like they were going to hurt you if they caught you and uh you know it was it wasn't like what we did was so bad but uh he didn't like it and uh so there were yeah there were things like that we did we used to um uh, in the summer we'd be by this lake and so you'd find people who had um the people that would park their boats uh at this this restaurant you know at this dock there and and they generally have coolers there well, you're at a lake, and it ain't hard to find dead fish, right? Oh, so we'd, no. We'd find these, oh, yeah, we'd find dead fish. And then we'd sneak out of their boat and put dead fish in their cooler and, and hop over the side. Not a good idea. Uh, but uh, <laughs> So it, it wasn't like we did any damage. Yeah. But, you know, it, it certainly would have smelled. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. But I could see where that would fuel your imagination as a writer later on, but... Yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah, probably not a good idea to get up to that trouble, huh? <laughs> definitely, definitely not a good idea. No, no, no. I would, I would use my energies <laughs> in much better ways uh, than that. So, yeah. So, other than other than uh, you know creating havoc that you can write about later, writers have to do a lot of research, like real research for their books, and. Um, Sometimes it's things that you can research online or at the library. Other times you, you have to go to the place. What was some cool research that you've done for books that you've written? Is there anything that you can share about that? Well, uh, I, I made a trip down to the Florida Everglades for a book that's coming out. Um, well, it's, it's, it's basically out now. It's this summer. Uh, and so it's called Escape from the Everglades. Well, you know, I did a lot of online and library, just like you say, but I found it, 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 it wasn't feeling quite right. And I felt like I needed to experience some of the fear of the area so my writing could be more realistic. So I went down there and, uh, Andrew, I worked my way down there by doing school assemblies, believe it or not. Uh, so uh, this was oh, no, just... No, hold on, hold on. I, I've never been to the Florida Everglades. So what is there to fear in the Florida Everglades? Okay. This is like one of the creepiest places on earth. It's awful. It's an awful place. So there's venomous snakes. Uh, there's non-venomous snakes that are really, really scary, like pythons and, and such like that. Uh, the alligators... They're just monsters. They're just monsters. Mon and that, right. and that water, the water is, is, uh, sometimes when you're looking into the water of the Everglades, it looks very clear, but at a different angle, it looks black or, or like, um, or like tea. It's just, it's huh. a creepy place. And so you go there and, and these alligators, they can be below the surface and they can be sitting on the bottom and just waiting for, you know, uh, they're not just always on the bank, uh, of the, um, Thing. And so I wanted to see them at night. I wanted to see the way their eyes glow, no. uh, you know, when you hit them with the light. And mm -mm. so you've got to get close to no. see this. It, right. Andrew, it was, <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. And, and here's the crazy thing is that book uh, that it was supposed to be book one in a series. And I thought, I never want to go back there again. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. You know, there's very few, there's a few times in my, in my life where I felt like where I was, it was, there was, there was evil there. Yeah. And there's a very bad history there. I mean, it just was awful. Um, and so I, it was like, okay, at the end of this book, um, it was going to be a park ranger's son. They're going to get a transfer. They are not going to stay here in the Everglades. We can't do it because I'd have to come back from, right. I'm not going to go back for more, for more research here. So, um, but it was a very, very creepy place. And I had a couple of, uh, really close calls. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that's I'm pretty glad. wild. That sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. And that book is called what? Escape from the Everglades. Yeah. Man, that's a catchy title. That sounds cool. Yeah, I was glad to get out myself. <laughs> so, man, it sounds like it. I, that does not sound like a trip I'm going to book anytime soon. No, and if you if you think about it, Andrew, you call me, we'll talk. I'll talk you out of it. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tim, thanks so much for writing Easy Target. I, I hope that it helps some kids who are struggling with bullying and social media bullies and loneliness. And I just I really hope that it encourages them to be able to have the tools they need to face up to those things as well. And, and um, it's just, it's just really well written and it's really exciting, you know, to listen to you narrate it. So I can't, can't imagine that the rest of the book is any less, you know, intriguing, 
and and really just exciting. So when you have more books coming out, would you let us know so we can invite you back to Story Jumpers? I'm happy to do that. Yep, that'd be All great. Right. Well, very cool. Tim, thanks so much. Tim Shoemaker and Easy Target. Really appreciate you coming by today. I'm happy to be here, Andrew. Andrew and all the all the the people listening. Hey, I am happy to talk with you today too. So that was fun. Thanks for visiting. Parents, Easy Target is an exciting and encouraging read for tweens and teens, which covers the complicated realities of social media, relationships, bullying, and doing what's right. This clean young adult novel is fiction that parents and librarians will love. The page-turning adventure is intended for 12 to 15-year-olds. The relatable characters do their best to do what's right. Taking on bullies comes with hidden danger. Becoming one yourself. Learn more about all of Tim Shoemaker's books and gain some other life lessons when you visit him online at timshoemakersmashedtomatoes.com. 